So uh, anyway, we are we are pleased today because uh, when Deota, I call him David. So if Deota's hard for you, I don't think you'll be offended by David. Uh, they're from the south coast of Af- the Ivory Coast of Africa, uh, but they've been. How long have you been in America? Seven years. So you'll pick up his accent. It's wonderful. I just get mesmerized by it. But I asked him if he would speak to us because he is a dynamic speaker, a man full of faith. Amen. I know you're going to be pleased by the word of God today. Pastor David Deoda, would you please come and share your heart with us? most important person of the universe, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that he holds everything together. He holds everything together. And if you are here this morning and it feels like your life is spinning out of control or it feels like nothing is in order, Jesus is the person to take it to. And some of you may be here today. It seems like your life is all shattered and broken pieces, bad decisions, life circumstances, things that you may have brought upon yourselves. And you look at your life with all those broken pieces and it's like, is anything good come out? Can anything good come out of this? I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ specializes not just in putting broken pieces together, but in mending it completely in the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be here this morning and it feels like there's something in your life that has no business being in that place in your life. But I'm going to tell you that he is the God that answers by fire. I was praying that prayer over your pastor a few minutes ago and I want to pray that over you today. If you feel like there's anything in your life that does not belong there. I want you to know that Jesus said that every plant that my father has not planted shall be uprooted. In the mighty name of Jesus, whatever the case might be, I want you to lift up your hand with me this morning. And I want to allow Jesus Christ to do his work in your life right now. In the name of Jesus, the prophets of Baal went ahead and just screamed and shouted and jumped and and scarred themselves and did all kind of crazy things in hopes uh, that their God would open and would answer by fire. But there was no answer from heaven because Baal is no God, because Allah is no God. But there is one God that is greater and more powerful and more awesome than any other God. He is the God that answers by fire. Elijah came and called upon him. And the Bible clearly tells us that fire came down from heaven. And I want to pray today in the name of Jesus. Anything that is in your life that is not of God. Catch fire now in the name of Jesus. And disappear from your body. Disappear from your system. Disappear from your home. Disappear from your marriage. Disappear from your finances. Disappear from your children. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, 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 every plant in your life that has not been planted by God, I command it uprooted. I'm not asking it to be cut down. I'm commanding it that it is uprooted from the root in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can you give Jesus praise today in Jesus' mighty name? Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, before I got saved, I was a Muslim. And I was born and raised a Muslim. And as a Muslim, we did have a mantra, some kind of declaration that we used to make. And we would say, we'd lift up the right hand like this. And we said, Ashahadu an la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Which means there is no other God but Allah. And that Muhammad is his messenger. But I'm going to stand here with you today. And if anybody would join me today in lifting up your finger like this. And say this with me. There is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is my King. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my God. Give him praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in this wonderful presence this morning. I want to tell you something, folks. You got to be passionate about Jesus. You got to be passionate about Jesus. He spans eternity. The gap, the bridge, he has gapped it. And you have access to the throne room of God. Because of Jesus Christ. How many of you are Jews here? See? But all of you have access to the throne of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. You know, some African from thousands of miles away just coming here, standing here and talking to you about our common God. Praise the Lord for that. You see this man here? He has a... A skin complexion that is kind of a, a little lighter than mine. Just a little bit, not too much. Still brothers. Still brothers. And we share the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You are more of a brother to me than my own biological brother. Because he's not in the kingdom of God yet. But you are. And I'm going to be spending eternity with you. You better get ready to, you, get, you better get used to me. <laughs> because we're going to be together forever. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Amen. But, uh, you know, um, Pastor Ron and uh, Pastor Kerry, beautiful, beautiful people. You know, one of the things that emanate from you guys is the love that you have for God. You know, when I first started going to New Life Chapel, I was automatically drawn to this man because of the heart that he had for God and for the community. And what's this thing all about anyway? Loving God and loving others. And that's what they have demonstrated over the years. And I come here, I see the thing that is going on, I see the dynamics and, and the people that are here, how you guys love the Lord and how he's serving the, the, you are serving the Lord alongside them. I say, praise the Lord for that. You know, when I texted you, I, I wanted, you know, we came for that clinic, and I was like, you know, I just want to come here and worship the Lord and just be here with the people and get to see you guys. And he said, would you like to speak? I said, you know what? God was speaking to me about something. I was like, maybe this is for this church. I said, okay, you know what? I'd love to do that. And the more I prayed about it, the more it felt like that's what God wanted me to share with this church. <laughs> Amen. 
Amen, amen. Uh, I'm here with Danielle, my wife. We've been married 14 years. Is it 14 or 13? <laughs> you know, you women cannot relate to that, but men can. You know, a lot of times, like, is it 14 or 13? Or is it 13 and a half? <laughs> we have three children. Uh, we, uh, the Lord has taken us on a very beautiful journey, she and I. I don't know what I would be without her. And I'm very grateful to God that he saw it fit that it's not good for Dada to be alone. And he gave Danielle. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So I want to talk with you for a few minutes. Um, um, if you allow me, I won't be long. I'll only speak for an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> Pastor Ron wouldn't like that, would he? Amen. Before anything, I want to affirm my total dependence on the Spirit of God today. Because, you know, um, it, it, we preachers, you know, um, at least I can speak to for myself, we kind of sometimes get all bogged down into sounding flamboyant and sounding all nice and everything. It's not nice sounding words that change people's lives, folks. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I can stand here, say one sentence, and go home, and then lives get changed. Or I can stand here, say a whole bunch of words, very nice, with all the kind, nice wordings and grammar and everything, and you guys just go home the same way. That's not what I want. Amen. So I want to affirm once again my total dependence on the Holy Spirit today, that he would grant me to be able to say what I need to say, what you guys need to hear today. And I want you to hear me with your heart. Amen. You know, one of the things that we have in our educational system in America and many other places, we think it's all about gathering information. No, it's not about gathering information. It's about transformation. And Jesus was, was and is a transforming leader. And whenever he comes into a situation, he brings transformation. So whatever communication I'm having today, I'm hoping that somehow it can give you a perspective that can allow you to think like Jesus, see things like Jesus. Amen? Amen. You know, when we talk about hope, we want to understand um, that hope is that attitude that makes you wait for something better. You know? It is like w when it says in Psalms chapter 30, it says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know that, right? That is hope right there. It's like you're going through it, but you know that the sun's going to rise in the morning. You know that things can get better tomorrow. That's hope right there. When the Lord spoke to me in 2010 and told me he is sending me to America, I couldn't afford to bring my family all together at once. And I told my wife, I'm going to go ahead of you. And I'm going to trust the Lord that he opens the door for you guys to join me. And I was in America two years, missing my wife like crazy, missing the kids like crazy. But in addition to that, they were going through the war. And there were refugees in a country that were, was not their own. They've had to flee the Ivory Coast to a different country. Do you know what kept me all these years, those two years? Hope that things can get better. 
And I'm going to talk to somebody today about hope. This is the one thing you cannot afford to cast. This is the one thing you cannot afford to get rid of. This is the one thing you want to hold on to. Bible says, talking about the folks on the hall of faith, as they call it in Hebrews chapter 11, they hoped against all hope. Are you following that? That you have everything around you that is telling you, you, you just stop hoping right there. It's all right. Nothing good is going to come out of this. You know, like Job and his wife, wife telling him because of the circumstances and his predicament, his wife told him, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? But, but he's like, no, no, no. Even if he kills me, I'll still praise him. Because I know my Redeemer lives. And on the last day, he will arise on my behalf. I'm going to tell you some people. People, Jesus is not on the cross no more. Jesus is not in the tomb no more. He is sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for you. And there's no detail of your life that misses his sight. I just want you to know that. Even this morning when you were combing, for some of you, you saw some, some, some hair fall in the sink. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? God knows about that hair. That's what the Bible says. I'm not talking about the the, the hope of uncertainty that people have when they say, I hope. You know, I hope the Lord heals me. I hope I get the job, you know. You know, we talk like that, right? Sometimes I think about the English language. You know, it seems like, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, I hope. When somebody says, I hope, it's not sure. You know, it's, that. it's like you are expressing doubt. But that's not what I'm talking about today. The Bible says that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The two words that you want to focus on is assurance and hope. You cannot have genuine hope without assurance. Do you know why hope can help me to stand strong in difficult times? Because I have the assurance beyond the shadow of a doubt that tomorrow is going to be a better day. We're talking about assurance in relation to hope. And Job himself, as I had said before, He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. Job, in the midst of the most difficult experience of his life, still hoped to be redeemed. He hoped to be rescued. But you see, there is a dead hope and there is a living hope. There is a hope of fear and uncertainty. But there is a hope of assurance and firm belief. When you get to a place in life where you have hoped. And let's be honest. What I like about Christianity. You know, if I were to write the Bible, there are some of the stuff in the Bible I wouldn't put in it. Honestly. But Christianity is so open and transparent. You know, when I was a Muslim and the imam and the leaders, there are some questions you would ask them. They get all offended. But there's no amount of question you can ask about the Bible that the Bible would be offended by it or I would be offended by it. I would tell my boss, you know, who also is a Muslim, I'd say, you know, it doesn't matter what question you got. Bring it on. 
Because the Bible answers it. There's no detail of human existence that God has not factored in in the experience of the people that are in the Bible. That's why you don't have a whole bunch of rules. But you have people that go through life and experience God. Did you notice that? So when you go through life circumstances, some of you are here. And you say, you know what, Pastor, I had this going on in my life. I prayed, and I hope God would heal my son. Praise the Lord. He did it for somebody. But you're like, you know what, it didn't heal your son. You were hoping to get that job. Pastor said, you got to believe. He said, you got to pray. You believed. You prayed. You didn't see nothing. Right? And then you're like, you know, I don't know about this hope thing, you know. And then the next time something comes in your life, you don't want to get your hopes up. You notice that? People get kind of like, I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to get my hopes, my hopes up again. I don't want to get it and be in that place no more. And then we begin to doubt and question and we begin to shrink back. I'm going to tell you something. No matter how much you may have believed God for something. If it doesn't come and it doesn't happen, it does not mean you stop believing and trusting. Let me put it this way. When you stop believing and trusting, you are assuming there is a better alternative somewhere else. But there is not. Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It's not like, you know, if I stop believing you, I can go back to a place where things get better. There's no other place to go. Did you notice that? Christians suffer just like unbelievers. But you know what makes a difference? Hope. You know, some of the things that you have gone through, brothers and sisters in your life, if not for the hope you have in God, you would never have made it. The Bible says that that hope is like an anchor for the soul. I like to fish. I wish I could fish more. Danielle, I really need you to talk to my council members. They need to give me some more vacation and getting some deep sea fishing going on. You know, I like to go at the sea and cast that reel and that line and catch me some tuna and smoke them, you know. (laughs) But you see, when we are at sea, There's something we call an anchor. They drop it down, all the way down, and it keeps the ship or the boat in place. If not, it drifts and it goes all over the place. You don't want that. And many of us are just carried and we go in all directions. You know why? Because hope is not there. The thing that is going to allow you to stay afloat in the most tumultuous seasons of life is hope. And the Bible says it is like an anchor for the soul. Your soul, my soul, needs an anchor. You know, you cannot continue to live in that depression. It's not the will of God for you. 
I know it's hard, and I'm not going to take that pain for granted. But depression is not the will of God for you. Anxiety is not the will of God for you. Fear is not the will of God for you. But these are the things that come to plague your soul. And Jesus says that hope is an anchor for your soul. You're not going to be taken out by that anxiety. You're not going to be taken out by that depression in the name of Jesus. You're not going to be taken out by that fear in the name of Jesus. Do you believe me? That hope is an anchor for your soul. But I'm going to tell you something today. Christians, and I'll be out of here in a few minutes. I mean, out of here, but with you. Christians, let's think about this thing, okay? Are supposed to be the happiest people in the world. Disneyland is not the happiest place in the world. Church is supposed to be the happiest place in the world. You got that all throughout the Bible. Rejoice, rejoice. I say rejoice. And I read about the stories of the early Christians. They were happy people. You know, look at a guy like Paul, shipwrecked, hungry, sick, beat up, in prison, and he's the guy that's saying rejoice. Amen. You know, I, I read about it, I say, you know what? Maybe he got something that I'm not getting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe he understood something about Christianity that I'm not understanding. <laughs> Did you notice that? We are in tumultuous times, folks. And in the midst of the most difficult times in the history of humanity, which is now, you can thrive. You can have the joy of the Lord. You can have the peace of the Lord. Yesterday we were at that conference. I really liked, you know, how... The pastor was teaching us how to dance. No, I know that's not what he was saying. But, you know, he was like, <laughs> you know, we had that conference and he was like, the world is going crazy, right? The world is going crazy all over the place. And, you know, we want the world to like us, right? As a church, you know, so we also start going crazy just like the world. <laughs> just like the world. You know what I mean? We want to kind of do what the world does. And now when things get out of hand, the world is looking for a point of reference, and they find the church going crazy just like they are. And they're like, who do we turn to? We're supposed to be the salt of the the earth, the light of the world, and we're just going crazy with them. But when you have the anchor of the soul, you are steadfast and solid. The world is going crazy, crazy, crazy. And they look at you, what's wrong with you? You know, we are at the same office. They're threatening to terminate us. And you still got the smile. What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Are you not the one whose son has been struggling with cancer? How come you still have that smile on your face? What's wrong with you? Look at the way he talks to you. And you still bless him? What's wrong with you? Christianity, folks, is countercultural. We don't go with the flow. We swim against the flow. Come on, we swim against the flow. And when you got that anchor for the soul rightly in place, everything else can fall apart. 
but you stay strong in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. He's no shifting sand. He's the rock of ages. Amen. When you stand on that rock, you are safe and secure. He's never failed me yet. And I will be hard-pressed to find anybody on the entire face of the universe that can ever stand and say, God has failed me. Because if you say, God has failed me, you're going to have to go throughout eternity, make the trip, and come back and tell me about the whole thing and tell me that God has failed you. You see the reason why, and this takes me now to the next thing I want to talk about. The reason why. We are so pitiful sometimes, and I'm not trying to be, you know, disrespectful. I'm just saying that sometimes when circumstances are going on, people don't just recognize us as the people who carry hope. Do you know why? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. And I'm going to share that with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 19. First Corinthians 15, 19. All right. I got it. Okay. All right. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men the most pitiable, pitiable, pitiful, to be pitied. You understand? So a lot of times our circumstances create pity. Because our hope is only on this side of the grave. When we say that hope is like an anchor for the soul, do you know where that anchor is hooked up to? In heaven, to Jesus, who has gone through the veil, and that anchor is hooked up to Jesus on the other side of the grave. Are you following that? So, so I get discouraged when I think that the glory I will ever have is between now until I die. But I have a different kind of hope when I know that even the grave cannot put an end to the glory God is going to reveal in my life. Are you following that? So now, I just let me take this example. I am going through this and missing my wife and my kids. And it's difficult, right? December... First, 2011, they land at LAX. I go pick them up. Do you think at that very moment I remembered the sleepless nights that I had? I didn't. And the Bible tells us there's a day coming where there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. That there will be no more anxiety. That there will be no more question. That we will know him just the way he is. I'm going to tell you something, folks. When it gets too hard and too difficult, and you're wondering how you're going to be able to make it, I want you to keep in mind that there's a day coming when all of your tears are going to be wiped away. There's a day coming you won't have to use a walker no more. There's a day coming where you won't have to worry about that arthritis no more. There's a day coming where you won't have to be struggling with that sinful tendency no more. Because you're going to be made whole completely and totally. And I'm going to tell you something. If we only hope in this world, our hope is really, is really insignificant. And we are the most pitiful person 
Why do you have to go? The Bible, Jesus said in this world you would have tribulation. Now, so in this world, I will have tribulation, and then my hope is only in this world? Come on. But he says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good, good courage, because I have overcome the world. I used, to have, I used to have an issue with this verse. Can I be honest? I mean, I am having tribulations, and you have overcome the world. You hear that? In this world, you will have tribulation. And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. I felt like it should read, in this world, you will not have any tribulation because I have overcome the world. Come on now. You know, like Jesus, you would say, in this world, you would have tribulation. You would not have tribulation because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. And now he says, no, in this world, you will have tribulation. And then I have overcome the world. And in between you have, be of good cheers. That's the connecting point right there. And Jesus is the one you want to be pegged to. If you go in to be of good cheers and enjoy the joy of the Lord. Because tribulation is something you will never be able to escape. You will be blessed, but you will face tribulation. But he said, I have overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, I can overcome too in my relationship with him. And because he has overcome, I can have hope. And because he has overcome, I can believe tomorrow can be better. And I'm going to tell you something. When I talk about hope, I'm not talking about hope, you know, like, you know, it can be easily construed to say that, you know what, just don't worry about what's going on in this world, you know. You're going to be able, you're going to go to heaven and everything is going to be nice. That's not what I'm talking about. You remember people say that some people are so uh, heavenly minded that there are no earthly good. The reason why I'm sharing this is some of us are so earthly minded that we are no heavenly good. Jesus cares about what goes in, in your life right now. Before the grave. Because what's going to help you make it. Is hope that goes beyond the grave. Are you following that? And some of the disciples understood that. And they came to Jesus. And I'm going to be concluding with this one. They came to Jesus. And that was in Mark chapter 10. They told Jesus. You know what? We have forsaken everything. To follow you. You've forsaken everything to follow him. This man was the director of rescue mission. Great man of influence in the high desert. And he forsook that to follow a calling to Las Vegas. I'm going to tell you something. I just got to say this real quick because I'm a pastor also. Ministry is one of the hardest jobs. If you're a computer engineer, you deal with computers. If you work in production, you deal with goods. If you're a minister, you deal with people. I don't know about you. I've had sleepless nights on account of people. You know, as a pastor, you love your people and the things that they go through. You can't be distant. You cry with them. You weep with them. You pray for them. You're like, Lord, I wish they wouldn't have to go through this. 
It's hard. Once in a while, when they get better and everything is all right, they kick you. <laughs> Come on, you know it's true. <laughs> but if you ever kick this man, you're going to hear about me. Come on, come on. But you see, ministry is hard. You forsake everything and you follow him. And the Bible says that Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one. Last I checked in Hebrews and Greek and Aramaic, no one is no one. No one. It's no one. It's just you can't translate this away. You can't interpret it away. It is no one. It says there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake. But that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Are you following that? Before the grave, present age. Now listen, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions. You know how the Lord is. And in the age to come, eternal life. What that means, following the Lord is worth it. And you will never get to the end of the race and say God has forsaken me. He'll be faithful to you, just like he promised. But he's saying, keep believing and keep hoping for my redemption and my intervention in your life. God never says, oops. He's always, always in charge. There's no detail of your life that he doesn't know. Amen. Keep believing, keep trusting in him. Get your hopes, your hopes, sorry, still working on my English. Get your hopes up. Because the one whom you are believing in is no small God. Amen. Now, if you're believing in a small God, you can keep your hopes down, no problem. <laughs> but if you're believing in a big God like the rest of us, keep your hopes up. Bible says whoever shall trust in the Lord shall never be put to shame. Either that word is true or it is true. Amen. 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 Shall we pray? Are you feeling discouraged today? I want to encourage you to believe in God. And as I, even as I was talking, some of you could relate to that. There's... Somebody here, you've just been going through such a difficult season in your life. And you've been wondering why and how. And I feel like the Lord is saying, just trust me, daughter. Trust me, daughter. I got you covered. I got you covered. Many are the afflictions of a righteous person, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Dear Lord, I pray you're covering over your people today and ask you to strengthen your children. I pray for a living hope to be restored to the hearts 
of every single person today. In the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for the outpouring of the strength of the Spirit to be given to your people in the name of Jesus. We believe joy to be a part of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm praying, Father God, for an abundance of joy in your children's life, regardless of their circumstances, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, any claim that has been made against their lives, I don't care what the source might be. Because you, God, you are a mighty God. You are a powerful God. And I'm praying right now for freedom, for deliverance, for healing, for transformation in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your faithfulness. Jesus is faithful. He is faithful. You all have a favorable 2000 year, 2017 in the name of Jesus. May the Lord hear every single prayer you prayed while you were fasting. And for those of you who were not able to fast, the Lord has heard your prayers as well. Continue to trust, continue to hope, and stay above waters as you trust in the Lord. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for your hospitality. You know, behind every great man of God is a great woman of God. And she just slipped me a note, and she apologized for not sharing a word that the Lord put on her heart. So I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. Share the word that the Lord put on your heart. Um, don't do like me. Obey when God's told you to do something. As we were worshiping, I, the Lord was talking. He talked about anchor. He talked about this world that is shaken. But he was saying also that he's a God that can stabilize everything. He said you can be stable. Even though this world is shaking, you can be stable. And it, it was saying that you have to lean on him to be stable. And I, I'm sorry if I did not give it. But because it's a word God gave me at, at our church once. And my husband was there and I'm like, What? This is the same word, but as he starts speaking, and all the thing God was telling me was the same thing. He, he prepared a sermon. I he didn't told, share with He her. did not share anything with me. He told me only that I'm going to be speaking on this, and that's it. So he said, I was like, man, Lord, sorry. He's like, I was converted. So don't do like me, because if God gave you something for someone here, and you did not, that person might go and something will happen, it will be your fault. And I apologize, even if I did not say, I'm like, I apologize. 